This is a Crow's Nest podcast. And welcome back to Titanic Talkline. I am Alexia, and I'm excited to have Hubert Mullins on this week. I unfortunately did not manage to get a cut. Your book did not arrive in time for this interview, which is irritating. So I am actually really excited for you to tell me about both your book and sort of your story. So hello, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, um, I wrote a book last year called Blood and Salt. It's a horror take on Titanic. It's my 16th book, actually. Um, I've since published number 17. So this one's kind of, this is the one I don't really get to talk about a whole lot anymore. So I was really excited to be here to get to talk about it. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, as far as my story goes, um, I've been writing uh, professionally for almost 20 years. Um, it all started with a broken back. Um, I actually had a work accident that put me out for about six months. Couldn't walk or do any of that. So I started writing to just keep my mind from going nuts. Completely and understand. that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of how the whole thing started. And it, it, it kind of developed from writing fantasy to dark fantasy to now horror. Mm-hmm. And my last, you know, last five or six books, I guess, would be mostly horror. I like I like horror and you know I know that there's going to be people out there who are not you know sort of a fan of right on set but I'm I'm personally far more liberal I love different forms of expression because I think that it, it starts getting a little dicey when you start saying only this form of expression or only that form of expression yeah. is allowed well I went into it with the deepest respect for the source material. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like the supernatural element, the stuff that I put in there, mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't change anybody's story. Right. Nobody who who if we have an account of a person, their body being found. If we have an account of a person who did a certain thing in the book, they do that in my book too. Very right. little of the actual events have changed. To I just work my story around it. I think that that's neat. And I think that in my opinion, that shows that it's not just, Oh, I'm turning out a book. It's that you have interest in the actual historical source. So, um, yeah, I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to go into it with just, okay, this is just going to be a popcorn book, just, you know, endless violence and and things like that. I just didn't want to, I didn't want it to be like that. Mm -hmm. That I think that's fair. I mean, again, not to say that, Again, nothing wrong with a popcorn book. I love right, right. I love a, a fun little popcorn novel. That's yeah. that's fun for me. But especially yeah. when it's something that has to do like with Titanic or anything that's sort of, I don't know, like <laughs> historical or historical fiction. Yeah. There is a need, in my opinion, and this is why I don't personally want to do any sort of historical fiction. Um, when I do writing, I like to do fantasy because I can make it all up. When you do historical fiction, you do need to be very sure that you're aware of the right things. And like when you were 
writing this this particular <laughs> why am I having such a hard time with this when you were <laughs> writing this particular book excuse me when when did you initially decide like I'm going to make it a Titanic book and like what did you start doing to you know to to start preparing to write a Titanic book so my favorite part of the whole writing process is the research Mm -hmm. I've always been led by the research. The book that I did right before Titanic is called Under Bethel, and it's about giant spiders. Oh, God. I hate spiders. Every night I would write that book, I would have to go and take a shower. I mean, it was horrible. The research for that was terrible. And after I wrote that book, I said, you know what? The next book I write, I'm going to enjoy what I researched. Yeah, that's deserved. Yeah. Yeah. And then I thought, Okay, well, I've always just been such a huge fan of Titanic, like every, you know, so many other people. We just <laughs> were drawn to this ship, and I thought, well, how can I put my twist on that mm-hmm. that hasn't really been done? And I researched Titanic and horror because there's there's Titanic and zombies, there's Titanic and there's all these different things. And I said, well, right. let's. I was reading Dracula. I do a re a read through of Dracula every every year, and I was rereading Dracula, and I thought. This right, this would probably be pretty cool, you know, because we have the whole, you know, now we see that that new movie that the last voyage of the Demeter, which is, right. I think, like chapter right. chapter seven of Dracula. Oh, um, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, and I thought, well, we have that, so why can't we? Why can't we combine these two things? These, you know, why can't we have like a different vampire origin story? Which I don't use Dracula. I have my own. It's 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 sort of based on an Irish legend. Ireland had their own kind of Dracula. So it's kind of based on that. Mm-hmm. And I just, I went, I went from there. I, I started to do the research. Um, I go full, full in when I do research. I got the deck plans. I blew the deck plans up, laminated them and, and stapled them together, made these eight foot long deck plans and stretched them all across my floor. And since I laminated them, I could use my highlighter and I could, I could plot people's you know, movements and things like that. So that's where the book started. It, it stemmed solely from the research. Okay. I think that that's cool. And you mentioned that so many people have had an interest in Titanic and that's super true. So what is outside of this book, if you do have, you know, a story, what is your Titanic story? Uh, I can re- I can remember in school, um, I, I'm going to date myself here, but my senior yeah. year was my senior year was when the movie came out, when Titanic came out, and okay. I had a teacher who who embedded a lot of that in her lesson plans, and <laughs> I just remember um, enjoying the Titanic facts and being right. able to recall things like, you know, the size of the engines and the the number of passengers, how much uh, food they had on board, just things like that was like really interesting to me. And I think that's where my love of Titanic started. Mm-hmm. It's important to know that sometimes it's someone else's enthusiasm for something that gets you involved. I got involved or not involved. I got interested in writing when I was in middle school because I had a, mm-hmm. an English teacher that I was particularly engaged in and and good at her her job. Yeah. So going back to this to this book in particular 
for people like me who haven't unfortunately had a chance to get their hands on a copy of it yet, what is it about? You don't have to spoil it if you don't want to, but for people who aren't familiar. Well, we follow um, we follow a passenger, a third pass passenger named um, Fiona Lynch, and we follow a doctor named Benjamin York. And it's it's the story of the two of them, and it's mostly separate. We just see what they're each dealing with aboard this ship. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we have um, we have something in our cargo hold that a pair of robbers who want to take it and then jump ship. They they don't they don't know what they're they're getting into. So they yeah. open up this mysterious box, and that's when all hell breaks loose. And you know, one of the people who uh, who uh, is robbing, you know, who's in the cargo hold is, is John Coffer, who actually jumped ship in Queenstown. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually worked in the reason why, you know, he he abandoned Titanic. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I've put I've put like all the things that we know about Titanic. We know things like the Marconi machine mm-hmm. that that malfunctioned. Mm hmm. That's what we. That's what, what what has been said. But I have a reason for that. So all of these little things that happen in real life on the ship, I've kind of put my own little twist on them. Why they happen? What are besides the Marconi the Marconi machine? What are some of your favorite like Titanic details that you wanted to be sure that you put in your book, regardless of the subject matter? Like this one's kind of a silly one, but you have a lot of people who have the bunker fire theory. Right. And and if you look at the yeah, if you look at the the deck plans, if you look at the side view and then you look at the top view of where the bunker bunkers of coal are, they're not anywhere near each other. So I don't really know how that theory got off the ground because it's all it all stemmed from this one photo where you see this dark spot on Titanic and you think, well, that's a weakened part in the hall. So I wanted to address that in kind of my own way and that's kind of where our story starts that's where you know that's where we meet some of our characters who were down in the bunker who were down in the boiler room so i wanted to kind of address that that theory and put a little truth to it how did you end up what did you end up choosing to do i just i wanted it to be made made known that this this wasn't a contributing factor to the iceberg Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, and that's another thing that I did in this. I didn't make the vampires directly related to the iceberg. I, I still wanted that to be man's fault. <laughs> I still wanted that to be a combination of, you know, poly, white star line policies and things like that for why this happened. I, I didn't want to, I didn't want people to get off easy in this and let, oh, well, let's, the vampires crashed the ship. I didn't want it to be mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> Yeah. Why vampires? Oh, I've just always liked vampires. My first three books are vampire. They're um, they're dark fantasy, so it's kind of like more like Lord of the Rings than I guess Anne Rice. So I've always liked vampires, but this mm-hmm. gave me an opportunity to write vampires in a different way. My vampires are kind of that they're all they all stem from this one vampire they call the king. And the king has these really long teeth. And when he bites somebody, he actually breaks one of them off Mm. that stays in their neck 
and all these little tiny things grow into the person's body and that's kind of what controls them some some mine are a little different does his tooth grow back or is this a finite thing no his tooth grows back that that was kind of something i put in there as a why are we overrun with vampires so this way they can keep their number small he only has eight he has eight gigantic teeth he can do eight a night (laughs) wow so it's like overnight yeah yeah, they, they, well, actually, you know, now I think about it, remember I'm a year from this book. So uh, actually it's, it's every two or three nights because they grow back slowly. And then sure. I think maybe on the third night he can do it again. So I want to sort of unrelated to Titanic or anything, but one of my favorite things is watching people review the Twilight movies and books. Yeah. Um, part of it is because it's funny, but also part of it is because people really, really hate or really, really love that vampire uh-huh. lore. And I do, it is a little bit ridiculous. There are parts of it that are absolutely right wild. But I do think one thing that I wanted to give tiny amounts of credit to that, and even with, you know, other methods that people think are a little silly, is that when you're trying to do something a little bit new on a really old trope or a twist <clears throat> on something that's been publicly done in a particular way for a long time right it's really difficult to make something unique that still also ties in enough with what everyone knows to be quote-unquote true that's that's a tough balance to 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 draw yeah Mm -hmm. so why did you why did you choose to do like something you know it it would be way easier to just be like oh it's a dracula style vampire or it's an Anne rice style vampire or whatever it's I always like to put my own spin on things. That's that's part of the fun. I like to take something that exists and put my spin on it. I wrote a book called Better Left Buried, which is about um, pirates and ghosts. So we have the pirate queen and Bonnie. We never know what happened with her. So I took I took that and ran with it. So I wrote my own story about what happened to her. Um, mm-hmm. Then I wrote, uh, you know, I wrote Ghost Train of Treblinka, which is about a Holocaust train that goes missing and shows back up in modern day Poland. So I take these things that have actually happened and then I kind of write my story in there. And that's what I like to do. I like to take something that is recognizable and just kind of make it my own. Mm-hmm. Cause vampire, you know, it, it, you know, say what you will about twilight. It, those kind of aren't vampires you know if you take every single defining factor away from it it's not that thing anymore they're i mean they're barely vampires that's fair in my in my opinion but i don't want to bash twilight i I will say this i will say one thing i really love about twilight and you can also say this about the 50 shades books (laughs) those two franchises made readers into people who are not readers that's true yeah, so got to give it to them for that. That's, you know, that's also important to know. I know that there's some people out there, even within the Titanic community, that really don't, they don't, they don't like to give a lot of credit, at least anymore, to um to the Cameron film. I think because right. in many people's minds, it's, you know, it's, it's too mainstream, you know. Oh, I liked yeah. it before, it was cool. And, you know, I'm, I'm making fun of it slightly, but there is that sort of air of, sometimes superiority that shows up with certain things and i wonder is that something that you ever encounter in your writing where 
you tell people that you do a particular genre and people sort of act as though it's I don't know. Sacred. Yeah, something yeah. Like yeah, why are you trying I, your hand at this? Right. I think I've gotten more negative comments and messages about this book than any other book I've ever done. Really? Why? Yeah, because there are like there's Titanic purists out there. This and is true. They yeah, they they treat you know, I'm a part of a few communities that treat Titanic the way a lot of people treat nine eleven. Yeah, and yes. they think that they think any type of fiction whatsoever that you write about Titanic is just sacrilegious. Like you should just stay away from it. So I've gotten a lot of negative messages from those communities. Right. That, you know, that that's something that I I've talked about a little bit on this show too. And that I think that those people probably don't like me very much either. <laughs> um, well, I have a very diverse group of people on my show and I personally like it that way. I have yeah. some people who are, historians and very deeply stewed in simply the historical accuracy and i have some people i you know who make parody toys and are burlesque artists all kinds yeah. of different folks involved and i think that those voices are equally valid oh so, yeah we can all appreciate this in our own way mm-hmm. and i and that's what i find like super frustrating about that reception and sort of like to hear that people like you and you know alex bonson who is the toy maker would get hate and essentially yeah. that it's frustrating to learn because again, it's, it's essentially yeah. declaring that certain art is, is, is illegitimate. Right. Yeah. I have to, I, I run Facebook ads for this book and mm-hmm. I daily have to go and delete comments that are just like, you know, how, how could you, you know, leave Titanic alone. And, and now it's, it's kind of resurfaced with this whole sub story, you know, mm. that just happened. So yeah. yeah, it's it's getting the the wrong kind of traction right now. What is not that I want to spend a lot of time dwelling on it, but what is the critic when people come to you or post these comments? What is their criticism? Is it sort of generalized anger? Or how dare you do this? Or or do you think that in their minds you can see where they maybe have a point or or not at all? I mean. I always go back to this picture. Somebody shared it to me when this book first came out, and it was one of those bouncy, uh, one of those uh, inflatable mm. water slides. Yes. And it was Titanic. It was Titanic on its side, and kids, you know, were sliding down it in the water. Yep. And and some and somebody said, how long does the tragedy have to go on before it can be turned into a slip and slide? <laughs> Right. And, you know, I said in, in, in another hundred years, are we going to have the trade towers, you know, sliding down those, you know? So like, you know, what's the shelf life on something we can't use for art? I also think there's a, I think that the intention of the art becomes part of the argument as well. And that's not to say that intention can excuse things. Yeah. But, well, I th- most of the people who, I guess, who see the ads come up, they just mm-hmm. see one thing like, oh, this is a guy trying to capitalize on this tragedy. And, you know, I guess in a small way, you know, I am because I'm a writer. It's, it's my profession. But, mm-hmm. you know, like I told you at the beginning of this, I went into this with the deepest respect for the source material. And 
I even put a disclaimer at the end because even in my book, Bruce is made turns out to be kind of a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's mean spirited. I even put it at the end that this is purely fictional. This is, I, you know, from what I've read, we have a kind of a negative view of him. That's not true. You know, that everybody says that he, you know, it's all because he he was one of the people who was really rich and he survived when so many people did not. Right. And I think that's kind of what it stems from. But, you know, I had to put that disclaimer in there. And I actually talked to Bruce Ismay's, I think it's his great grandson who actually Cliff. wrote a book about him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he and I had a conversation and he he read the book and I think I think he approved. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> glad like, about that. I like uh, Cliff Ismay. Is a, he's a nice guy. Yeah. Um, I. Sorry, not to go back to the same question, but sort of when people do come with those criticism, what's something that you wish that they would understand before maybe misinterpreting it? Like, do you think that they're just upset because, as you said, they see an ad and they get upset about it? Or are these people that have, quote unquote, legitimate criticism where they're, where they're you know, I don't know, Titanic experts or enthusiasts to come in with a specific criticism? I think if you're going to have that kind of criticism, at least read it first. Mm hmm. I don't think you can really form your opinion just based on a, a 1080 by 1080 ad on Facebook. I guess I'm asking what kind of criticism is it? Is it just people who are mad about the book in general or is it people who have an understanding of Titanic? It's usually it's it's never the people who have an understanding of Titanic. It's okay. always people who were just critical of that of the subject. I just gotcha. This is what I chose to write about. Gotcha, the, yeah, people sorry. Who, the people who know about Titanic, they're usually pretty receptive to it. They actually, mm-hmm. you know, they usually think it's pretty good, except when I go into the sites that are run by the purists. You know, in the beginning, I thought, well, this is going to be a fantastic place for me to to market my book. No, I got ran out of those places fast. <laughs> <laughs> there so. is there is a faction of people in the sort of Titanic historical enthusiast group that are they're very I don't even know if they I don't even know if they really like Titanic fiction at all honestly and, right you know that's not you know I, I do but if you know if that's your thing and you just don't like it that's fine there's certain things that I don't like in my life to be honest with you and I just right. avoid them but yeah and and I think that's part of it. it's I think this book is just so different than other Titanic books because I'll I'll see them like in in book groups and they'll mm-hmm. say, you know, we're looking for something Titanic themed and it's always something about, you know, a certain passenger or something about the white star line. And then I'll suggest, Hey, it's October. How about we read a horror book on <laughs> Titanic? And it's just, it's like, it comes out of left field and people are just like, Oh, nah, I don't think so. Do you think part of that might just be because the Venn diagram of people who are into horror and the Venn diagram of people who are into Titanic don't have a very big overlap? Yes, that, that's okay. exactly what it is. Because I, when I do my Facebook ads, my market is 45 year female and up. Yeah, because I'm thinking of that's, my other friend who has a Titanic podcast who is not a horror movie fan. Uh-huh. Got to throw her under the bus, but I'm just thinking in general, it's like, wait, a lot of people I know who like Titanic are like not horror movie people. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I don't know. It's a good, it's a, it's a unique union, I guess. Speaking of unique, this is going to sound like it came out of left field, but did you watch the shows on Netflix, Haunting of Hill House and the Haunting of Bly Manor? Yeah. 
I know that a lot of people were a little more critical of Bly Manor than of Hill House, but I really like it. And the reason that I really like it is because it has a very gothic romantic feeling to right. it that yeah. is a traditional of horror. Yeah. And I think that's part of its success. Mm-hmm. And I know that there were a lot of people who are really disappointed in it because they were expecting something much more traditional. See, we don't, I, I'm pretty traditional when it comes to things. Sure. And I, I thought those were done really well. And I'll give you another example. And this is kind of out of left field, but when I, one of my favorite books, is the great Gatsby, when I heard that they were remaking Great Gatsby with Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> with music by Jay-Z, I, I thought, what kind of train wreck is this going to be? But you know what? It worked so well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the music just showed like the decadence of the era and Leonardo DiCaprio was great. So I don't really, I think sometimes you can break with tradition and, and still have something pretty good. And I feel as though that's, <laughs> excuse me, important. If anything, I I believe that people having some, you know, a majority of people having some time during the pandemic to actually think about the things that they like and things that they would want to do has given way to a lot more new and unique forms of art and expression. Like there's people yeah. who do digital art for Titanic. There's people who make little figurines for Titanic and they hand make replica life vest and 3d print miniature davits. It's the spectrum right. of creativity is incredible. Yeah. I mean, and the people who, the people who are into Titanic, I mean, it's just such a, a, a very spe- wide spectrum. I mean, it's mm-hmm. very broad because I have people, I have people who buy my books and they tell me this is the first book I've read in years. <laughs> And they just just because of the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I think that's pretty cool. And I know that there's, you know, other people that I very much like that sometimes don't get the world's kindest receptions just because of the things that they do. Yeah. Um, one of them being Titanic fan 97, who a uh, good friend of good friend of the show, big friend of the show. He has the world's largest collection of Titanic on VHS. He, you know. Oh, I've uh-huh. seen him on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. He's great. Uh, JD, as we call him, he and Jack Dawson. We love him. And I got to meet him in person. He'd been on my show before, and I got to meet him in person at the Titanic convention this year in Las Vegas. And it was one oh. of the most disappointing things to learn <laughs> that some people were genuinely mean to him while he was there and truthfully walking around with a like two-thirds life-size jack dawson (laughs) is truthfully (laughs) one of the most harmless hobbies i could possibly think of but he was saying that by the way i think this is a crime honestly while they were getting money out of the atm people were like filming them to make fun of them you can't film people while they're at an ATM guys that's against the law don't do that even if you want to make fun of them but all that to say is just it's it's very upsetting to me that people like he and like you and others that I've encountered get such a nasty reception just for doing what they like you know okay so what you don't you don't personally want 2,000 copies of Titanic on VHS no one is making you right 
Exactly. You don't need to be mad about it. You don't have to carry exactly. around a giant dummy. That seems like a massive hassle to me. I'm not going to flip and do it. And they're not mad at me for not. <laughs> when I get these, when I get these negative comments on my ads, I always think, you know, you can just scroll by. Yeah. You're able to just keep scrolling. <laughs> Knock my headphones off. I'm so irritated. Uh, (laughs) Well, I mean, I say this a lot on my show. You know, my show relies on a variety of people coming to talk to me. You know, it's not to say you can't have repeat guests. I have several friends of the show that come several times, but it it would be hypocritical of me to suddenly start saying that this, that, or the other thing is an illegitimate form of art, because I'm sure there's people out there who think that my podcast is, I don't know, disrespectful or, or or whatever the case may be. And that's just, again, I think it becomes dicey when you start saying that so-and-so's content isn't good or it's bad or it's respectful or it's not. We're all, we're all trying to be artists. We're all trying to do what makes us happy. And I think this probably brings a lot of people joy. So, Hey, keep doing it. I hope that it also brings people who are more open-minded new things to discover like i'm hoping that maybe some people who are not as interested in nonfiction. i have a lot of nonfiction authors on my show i'm hoping that people who are not nonfiction interested are going to be interested a friend of mine is actually who tagged me in one of your ads she was like oh we need oh. to read this book so you know it just oh, goes cool. to show that there are people that actually think that it's neat and i was like ah absolutely on board for this mckenna when are we starting <laughs> i'm so glad you messaged me because you know, I don't I don't reach out to a whole lot of people. You know, I just I don't know why. I'm just You should. I'm quiet and reserved uh, and yeah. I will say that there, you know, despite this very small portion of people who can be a little bit snooty, for the most part, for the most part, the Titanic community is pretty welcoming, you know. Yeah. I yeah, and I want and I do, I do want to point that out. Like the things I've saying about the purists and, and all that, that is a very small minority. Most people have nothing but good things to say about Titanic. Mm-hmm. They have nothing but good things to say about this book. So yeah, I've had like overwhelmingly positive support. Good. And, you know, I yeah. will also say that those same people are also the ones that are negative to people who make Titanic cookbooks. There are people who are also mad at people who make like Titanic <laughs> romance novels. You know, I don't want to I don't want to make it I want to make it abundantly clear that once again, this is an extremely small percentage of people. And two, they seem to there. There's a very small portion of people that believe that sort of any expression of fictional relativity towards historical events is disrespectful. And I'm pretty sure there's people that think the same thing about like a ton of historical events like the Hindenburg or what have you. Right. I mean, you, you can have, you can have these retellings, you know, like look at the, remember the books like the pride and prejudice and Mm -hmm. what was it? Sea monsters. Right. You had these like, you had these like really outrageous retellings of classics. And I think there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I'm, you know, I'm huge in the classics. That was my, that was my thing in college. Like I'm a, I'm a literature major. So you know, I can almost consider myself a purist when it comes to that stuff, but I still think those kind of books are fun mm-hmm. and they, they are just, they, you know, they're a love letter to the source material. Right. I, uh, I, I think, isn't it 10 things I hate about you is a rom- romantic comedy retelling of the taming of the shrew. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, and it's then do you, remember the, you, you remember the old um, Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo yes. and Claire Danes? 
I thought that was really cool. We watched that in school and that story would never reach people without mm-hmm. that method of telling. I think we should do other classics that way. I actually have which to I, agree. Which I guess we are doing. Isn't there a new follow the house of the usher on Netflix? I have no idea, think, but yeah, I think, I think they just did a retelling of that. So they probably did. Netflix is always turning something out that like I turn my back for five minutes and they've put out eight miniseries. Yeah. Like, I want to send them a letter and say, hey, will you turn this into a, a movie? And they probably would. <laughs> they, they, they do everything else. <laughs> I really want to see, and I think I've talked about it on the show before, not to say that I'm tired of Titanic retellings. I'm not. But I really want to see a miniseries about the voyage, the interrupted voyage of the Carpathia. That would be cool. Yeah, like starting it off kind of Downton Abbey style following, I don't know, some rich yeah. lady as she gets ready to sail in the Carpathia. She doesn't actually want to go. She's supposed to marry somebody in England. You know, I'm I'm writing this as I go along. She's on the ship and you're following it thinking it's just, you know, those of us who know Titanic probably know. But, you know, you're following it along as a yeah. slice of life drama for these people. Then all of a sudden it's a literal <clears throat> life changing rescue for people you've never met. I think this is something you need to write. Oh, and then she meets a, a man who manages to survive and they fall in love. See? <laughs> like, Netflix, call me. Um, <laughs> I would but, watch that. See? But I also think that it's a new way to tell that story. And also, you know, the Carpathia is an important part. And it's, again, a, a new way to tell a portion of the Titanic story instead of trying to do, quote unquote, the same thing again. Yeah. Well, even uh, even you know that's that's good, but I still think that we are at a point now where so much time has passed since James Cameron's that we can have another Titanic story. I we, I think if they did, it would need to be a mini series, like I suggested, maybe not a movie. And yeah, I want to explain why because I was also a, an English major. I was a creative writing oh. um, concentration too. I feel as though because of the necessity of CG, the Mm -hmm. pacing for a Titanic movie now would be too much with just the way that blockbuster movies go. But with a miniseries of maybe eight to 10 episodes, you Mm -hmm. can really dig into the characters, get to know them. This is just me. Somebody come tell me I'm wrong if they think I'm wrong. No, I, I I get it. We rely too much on CGI now. We're past the days of building an actual side of Titanic and putting mm-hmm. it in water. <laughs> yeah, we're not. I don't think we're going to do that anymore. Sadly, it is disappointing. You know, I look at. Um, it's not to say that CG can't look good, but you know, I watch Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies where they do a, uh-huh. a really good combination of live and CG. Yeah. And it's utilized so well, but you have enough, and you know, uh, the Cameron's Titanic film, you have enough real stuff Mm -hmm. to make it believable. There's enough interaction with things in real life. Like they pick up a real can of soda. They put a real can of soda on a real table, but then the window they walk by is green screen. It's enough to make you think you're there. Yeah. Yeah. They could, they could do that. I think a series would be, would be pretty, pretty nice. There's a behind the scenes clip from the live action Little Mermaid that makes me laugh every time I see it. The real scene is Halle Berry sitting on a giant sea turtle and kind of riding it for a second. Like, Uh oh my gosh, how fun. (laughs) 
And then behind the scenes, it just shows Halle Berry just... smiling, sitting on this person's back as he kind of like fake army crawl <laughs> shuffles on the ground. And it's this sort of thing. Really... Kind of like the wolves <laughs> in Twilight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that thing of her petting yeah. um, Taylor yeah. Lautner on the head. <laughs> that is tremendous. Or of Ahmed yeah. Best running around set with Jar Jar's head taped to the top of his head. <laughs> yes. Some of the footage of these things is just phenomenal like that is yeah. hysterical look look up the one of henry cavill as superman him he's right he's now. in a scene where he's talking and then he does his like up up and away where he just you know in, in cgi they like make almost like a almost like an earthquake when he shoots up into the sky but it's him just lifting on his tiptoes and then back down yep <laughs> i've just, seen this I've seen this a few times with like the superhero jump offs and landings where yeah. they're in the harnesses and they just kind of jump up a couple feet and then get lowered down. Yeah. And again, it looks good when you add in like the timing and the this and the that, but. Do you like superhero movies? I do and I don't. Like I did when they didn't come out as frequently when they were more. Yeah. When we're they were more fatigued. exciting. Exactly. Yeah. I haven't liked the last few that have come out but let me tell you go watch that new guardians of the galaxy the third one okay they do they do this scene where it's it's a hallway scene and i always like hallway scenes in these movies where it's just like it, it looks like it's uncut and they play um they play a, a beastie boys song and mm. it's just it's like a three minute fight scene where they're just flipping around and just it's just the most amazing thing i've seen in a comic book movie in like the last five years I do really like some of the Marvel movies. I think the ones, yeah. in my personal opinion, the ones that are done with like what you're describing, that kind of sense of fun and like, yeah. hey, this, it can't take it too seriously. These were based on comics, man. Yeah, they they haven't been fun for a while. Like, I think the last one I really enjoyed was maybe like Endgame, like that Avengers movie. I mean, that's been a while back. Do you watch the animated Harley Quinn TV show? yes that is yeah. the most fun comic related yeah media, in that my is personal pretty, opinion that is pretty funny i tried to watch that with my 10 year old yeah i didn't know and nobody told right. me what kind of I'm show like, yeah 14 seconds in listen yeah i was like we're gonna pause we're gonna pause this and then i'm gonna come back to it later later yeah i can <laughs> i can definitely see i i would totally have made that mistake been like hey sarah my friend's kid hey sarah um i'm babysitting you this evening want to watch this new comic book tv show 30 seconds later <laughs> guess what we're never watching together again <laughs> um i really like that one and the reason i yeah, do is good. besides being incredibly violent it's extremely fun it's fun yeah and I didn't I haven't really liked DC that much, but the, same. the the last Suicide Squad movie, like ever since like James Gunn has got involved mm-hmm. in, in this, that was one of the most fun movies I've ever seen. It was pretty good. I do like um oh my gosh, Margot Robbie ba- her monologue yeah. basically saying, Next time I fall in love with a toxic man, I do the reasonable thing and kill him. Like okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I do have to say, as much as I love Margot Robbie, especially as Barbie, thank you for making that exist. I love you forever, Margot Robbie. Uh, Kelly Cuoco as Harley is my favorite. I like that. I've version. not seen that. She's the one who voices animated Harley Quinn, the one by HBO. Is she really? I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Yep, that's her. Wow. She's far away from that. irritating the hell out of me during Big Bang Theory. <laughs> 
<laughs> I hate that show. I'm sorry to anybody who's listening. My dad. I love my dad. He's genuinely one of the smartest people I have ever met in my life, but he likes the dumbest TV. <laughs> I, do, I, I, I don't understand. He loves like CSI. He loves like <laughs> Law and Order. What's the show I was just talking about? Big Bang Theory. It's like, yeah. We were talking about Law and Order today and how I have I have never seen a single episode. You don't and need there's, to. There's about 40,000 of them, I think. Oh my God, so many. Yeah. One of like the things he... Like, it's sorry. been on the air since 1902. It, it, yeah. <laughs> it's been on forever. But speaking of being English majors, you know, one of the things that, you know, you do study when you study English is mm-hmm. um, plot mechanics. That's, yeah. that's something that you study. And his least favorite thing, my dad's least favorite thing is how obvious the plot mechanics are to <clears> me, because I will just call out something. I'll be in the room for t- one minute and just go heat at it. Yeah, and he yeah. Gets so oh, mad oh, at me. Oh, oh, my my wife, she hates to watch movies with me, just because <laughs> I'll I'll dissect every bit of it. And the most fun is like the Hallmark movies, like the Christmas ones. Oh, I bet she uh, absolutely cannot wait to sit down with you and one of the oh man, popcorn. I, yeah, I ruin those every time. <laughs> it's, I, it's almost like a game. Does she like to watch all the ones that come out like every holiday season? <laughs> oh yeah. I... We we are huge. <laughs> okay, here here's the thing. We when we bought our house, which was 15 years ago, mm-hmm. everybody bought us Christmas stuff, and everybody sure. has bought us Christmas stuff since. So we are the couple who goes way out in, for Christmas. Like like I have to kind of keep that separate because I'm trying to cultivate this you know this horror author type thing. But no, the real me puts up 10 Christmas trees. <laughs> And just, Christmas trees. Yeah, we 10 Christmas trees goes up in this house. Yeah. And it's just, it's stuff that people have bought us, you know, for years. We just have so much Christmas. <laughs> I have a friend back in Maryland who is the biggest Christmas enthusiast I know. And all I'm going to say is she'd be so jealous of you. <laughs> they finally own a house now. And I think that her... The notion that she is not the person that owns 10 Christmas trees might just completely yeah. chap her. That's that's the advantage to living here in the middle of nowhere is that you can, <laughs> you, can you can buy a house for less than a car and, <laughs> you know, 2,200 square feet. So this is the first year that I've gonna, I will have been living with cats for the holiday season. Uh, uh-huh. My family and I are dog people. My boyfriend has cats and I'm now concerned that anything I put up decoration related is just going to be bait for a cat to take down. Yeah, you're going to have that. We have, we have three <laughs> cats. We have okay. three cats. Two of them, two of them have been here, you know, almost as long as we've had the house. They don't bat an eye at any of it. Um, I, I rescued a kitten over the summer this year that was, uh, going to die in the rain because it didn't know, it didn't know how to get out of the, out of the bad weather. So I brought it in, warmed it up, fed it. Now it lives here. It's going to, it's going to be a problem when the trees start going up. Yeah. Kitten, I can see. Yeah. Um, you just, I I don't really have any advice about that. You just (laughs) have to deal, you have to deal with it. Great. Pick your battle. Pick your battles. If it pulls off a cheap ornament, let it have it. Let it have it. Just let it have yep. a cheap ornament. Yeah. You know, I mean, here's the thing though. I don't have a lot of ornaments. 
I hmm. just I have ornaments I like, and that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where we're gonna come with the crux of the of the issue here is that they're all ornaments that I like. I only have about six of them. <laughs> yeah. That's be an issue. I will also say that um the oh, I don't know how old Shadow is. The older cat is like a couple years old, so he's probably not gonna be an issue. I'm worried about the baby cat. Yeah. Baby cat might be a little more curious. She's not actually a baby, but you know, like under two. Well, still kitten energy. Well, the good thing is, is if, if it's light, it won't pull your tree down. Um, if, and I will tell you, if you put a if you put your tree in the corner, we anchor ours. We use like mm. fish and wire and anchor it to something. That's smart. So they can, yeah, so they can't pull it down because you can fix just about anything, but once they knock it over, oh, that's going to be a, a hassle. <laughs> Yeah, I again, I've I've ha- I have dogs and both of our dogs were adopted as a- adults. Mm-hmm. So I never even had to deal with that puppy stage, which is kind of yeah. nice. So I've never had to yeah. think about animal proofing my life. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge the first year anyway. You'll you'll so. be old school at it next year. As long as she doesn't knock down the Lego Titanic, I feel as though I'm not going to be you have Super a Lego Titanic? I do. It's not in my oh. house yet. It's at where it's at my parents' place where I was living. Um, I just haven't I'm managed so to bring je- it over. I'm so Isn't jealous. Nice? I've asked for a uh, Lego Rivendell for Christmas. Ooh, that's that looks so neat. Yeah, my my son is big into Lego. He, he it's ridiculous the Legos that are just one room over from me. It's mm-hmm. it's embarrassing the amount of Legos. I want the uh, Death Star set. Oh, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the good thing about all of the, even though I might not like all of these shows that are coming out for, like, Star Wars, they come out with a whole line of Legos each mm-hmm. time. So many more cool toys. Yeah. yeah. I like all the people who make lightsabers now, so you can get them without having uh-huh. to spend hundreds of dollars. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah, back in the day, those things were. Yeah, I have one that's like, I think it was like 150 It's pretty nice. And I have a cheap one that I got for, I don't know, $40, $50 on Amazon. That oh. one's way lighter. And I use that one to learn sort of, you know, spin tricks because it's pretty light. But they're both pretty cool. And I've unfortunately thrown them both a handful of times because I'm is, not very good at spinning. Is there a video of this? Yes, there is, actually. I think if you go, there's one video on the Titanic talk line TikTok, and I think it is me and this lightsaber, and I think I put Cantina music over it. That's that's awesome. Hey, okay, I will, Google this. I will okay. find that. I will find that as soon as we are done. <laughs> Titanic talk line TikTok. Oh, good. Nope. Uh, it's around somewhere. I did post it, but I don't use TikTok that often. It's there somewhere. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll look for it. Either that or it's on Facebook. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, well. What is... You said that you've already moved one book over from this one. Yeah. So what are you working on now? Anything nautical related or have you moved away from the sea? No, I've moved away from that. Um, the next book is actually going to be a sequel to Under Bethel. Okay. 
Um, I have more requests for that because I I leave a pretty good twist at the end. Mm-hmm. And I, I had no plans of making another book. But people have, you know, they really asked me to do it. And I, and I enjoyed it. I enjoy the character in Under Bethel a whole lot. She's so much fun to write. Mm-hmm. So th- this next one, it's going to be called Under Serpent Island, which takes place in the under Snake Island. It's in Brazil, off the coast of Brazil. It's a it's a real life island. It's it's full of these. There's a kind of snake there called the the Golden Lance Head. It's it's only found there in the whole world, and that's kind of the basis for this next story. It's going to be yes. horror, also. And what I what I did with spiders in Under Beth, I'm going to try to do with snakes in Under Serpent Island because I I really like claustrophobia and just you know, scenes of people having to crawl through really tight spaces with spiders all over the place. Yep. <laughs> I think I'm going to be reading these next ones. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a spider. I'm not a, ugh, I'm not a spider that's the, And that's the comment I get mostly on that ad. Is it, oh, it looks really good, but I can't do spiders. Yep, that's me. Um, come back to me when you're doing something unrelated. Come back to me when the vampires <laughs> re-enter the window. Then we'll start. we'll start up with my attention again. <laughs> <laughs> i will do that until then uh thank you so much for coming on this was fun yeah thanks for having me we'll have to do this again sometime absolutely uh anyone uh out there who's looking for something this october we're you know coming up on halloween season definitely check out hubert what's your book called again it's called blood and salt blood and, and salt you can get it at, on amazon you can get the audiobook on audible um, you can either find it there or come to my website, which is hubertlmullins.com. Um, all formats. So check it out. Please do. Um, until next time, thank you guys for listening and I'll see you then. Bye. Titanic Talkline was created and produced by me, Alexia. Be sure to keep up with the show on all the social medias at Titanic Talkline on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is all one word, Titanic Talkline. T-I-T-A-N-I-C-T-A-L-K-L-I-N-E. If you want to get in touch, be on the show, sponsor the show, or have a question or anything you want to tell me, send me an email at titanictalkline, again, all one word, at gmail.com. That's titanictalkline at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye!